Hello, and welcome to the last episode of The Seagull for 2021. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs. Let's see what's going on here at the Wing. Things were pretty busy at the Wing this month. We welcomed the Honorable Gina Ortiz-Jones, Undersecretary of the Air Force, during her visit to the Wing on November 24th. Secretary Jones is the second highest ranking civilian official in the Department of the Air Force, serving directly under the Secretary and overseeing both the Air Force and Space Force. While at OTIS, Secretary Jones was briefed by Wing leadership on a variety of topics, including our two ISR missions, the 253rd's Cyber Engineering and Installation Mission, as well as all of our significant successes over the last year. Earlier in the month, we hosted a group of information technology students from Cape Cod Regional Technical High School who got to tour several facilities on the base and learn how the 102nd Intelligence Wing uses IT in a variety of career paths. We hear more about that a little later. Also this month, we're going to teach you a little bit about water and fuels systems maintenance in our AFSC Spotlight. On five questions, we'll learn about the Wing Military Equal Opportunity Office and of course, a teaser from this month's Chevron's podcast. Starting us off in this month's command message, Colonel Sean Riley, commander of the 102nd Intelligence Wing, has a message for each and every airman of the wing. Airmen with a capital A. You know, officers, enlisted, and even civilians. So listen up. Airmen of the 102nd Intelligence Wing, I wanted to use this month's command message to look back on everything you accomplished in 2021. As we headed into the December drill last year, COVID vaccinations for all were still months away and many members of the wing were teleworking and participating in virtual RSDs. Even at the height of the pandemic, sections like civil engineering, security forces, and PML were at work performing mission official functions. The 102nd ISR group was already two months into their 12th straight year of home station mobilization. And the wing was in the process of deploying over 85 personnel, mostly from the mission support group, to locations all over the globe. And our defenders were providing support for the presidential inauguration in the national capital region. When the ball dropped to start 2021, The medical group was supporting long-term living facilities across the Commonwealth, and we were sending almost 40 airmen from all over the wing to help keep our nation's capital secure. As winter gave way to spring, our medical group was able to stand up a vaccination clinic for all of Joint Base Cape Cod. They vaccinated over 2,500 personnel the wing was able to start to return to in-person drills and we were able to hold our June annual training week and large-scale readiness exercise, validating our ability to conduct our federal mission set. The summer seemed to be a little more normal as we continued to support both our federal and state taskings while we welcomed home all of our deployers 
and thank them for supporting operations downrange for the past several months. And just a couple of months ago, we provided support for the Boston Marathon and school COVID testing, while the 102nd ISR group started yet another year of employed in place operations. There were certainly no days off for the wing as we welcomed the Air Combat Command Inspector General team for our capstone inspection, just one year after our midpoint evaluation. And because of all your effort and dedication to duty, we maintained mission assurance during a global pandemic, never missing a state or federal tasking. We were able to support the highest operations tempo the wing has seen since the days and weeks after September 11th, 2001. You accomplished all of this while still maintaining all of your programs and requirements. And this was validated by the Air Combat Command Inspector General. And I quote, the airmen are connected to the mission and demonstrate a strong sense of pride in the unit and their collective accomplishments. So let me close by saying what an absolute privilege and honor it is to lead such a high performing wing. Thank you for what you do each and every day I hope that you all find time to relax and spend time with family and friends over the next few weeks. May your holiday season be filled with laughter, joy, and peace. And I look forward to seeing all of you in the new year. In our AFSC Spotlight this month, we hear from Technical Sergeant Tintenko as he tells us about his job as a water and fuel system maintenance technician with the Civil Engineer Squadron. My name is Titan Sergeant Valentin Tatenko, and I am a water and fuel system maintenance craftsman at 102nd C. Basically, like we're the plumbers of the Air Force, and whether it's responding to small calls that a customer has, like with a shower or a bathroom, you know, we're, we're first responders. Ensure that there's a fire, they have enough pressure in that hydrant to put out the fire understanding how to cut a pipe, whether it's plastic, or, uh, PVC, copper, anything that deals with either water or waste plant, you know, with the guys for that, for that job. I enjoy beating C and beating as a plumber because I get to pretty much go anywhere on base and interact with all kinds of customers. The more we interact with each other, we understand better what everyone's job is and how it relates to the mission as a whole. Students from Cape Cod Regional Technical High School visited Otis Air National Guard Base on November 17, 2021. These information technology students toured several facilities and received briefings on how the 102nd Intelligence Wing uses IT in an array of career paths. We hear from Captain Chris Kubek, who tells us about the event. So we have Cape Cod Technical High School here visiting um, to basically look at some of the different communications or IT related uh, fields that we have here on base. Looking back at when I was that age, I think it's probably helpful for them because they get to see a lot of different facets of the IT field in one place. Kind of gives them a, a better picture of what's really out there and available to them uh, and not necessarily just 
sitting in the classroom and getting the, the textbook answer or the, the whatever network they have to play on and practice on um, just to get them a little exposure to different facets of the IT field. By coming here and seeing what we do, it gives them a little bit of an appreciation for what the military does, um, and hopefully it just gives them a little bit of a better perspective on options that they have in front of them. Welcome to Five Questions, where we invite a subject matter expert to come in and provide some timely information about topics relevant and important to our airmen's careers, their jobs, and the wing's mission. This month, we have Captain Erica Tripodi. Captain Tripodi is the 102nd Intelligence Wing Equal Opportunity Director. Welcome to the program. Are you ready for five questions? I am. Great. So number one, what is the mission of the Wing Equal Opportunity Office? Um, the Air Force EO mission is to promote an environment free from personal, social, or institutional barriers that could limit a member in reaching their potential. Uh, question number two. How does EO assist commanders and senior leaders in assessing the climate of their unit? The EO office assists commanders or senior leaders in assessing their climate of their unit uh, primarily through DEOC surveys. This is a tool that commanders can use that comes directly from the members of their unit. This is an anonymous feedback session. Um, although the demographic questions at the beginning of the survey may seem to pinpoint you and your responses, I can assure you that when you do the survey and the, the answers are compiled for the commanders, this information is not even included in the report. Uh, question number three, in terms of discrimination, what are the things that someone should not be discriminated for? What's protected? So unlawful discrimination includes race, color, religion, national origin, pregnancy, gender identity, sexual orientation, age, genetic information, or prior EO activity, which is the one that members often um, are confused about. So members often don't report discrimination because they're concerned with the backlash of the allegation. However, that in itself is actually illegal and be called reprisal regardless of the EO findings. So uh, question number four, who's afforded these protections? What groups do you service here at the Wing? So our office specifically provides DSG or Title 32 Airmen assistance uh, with any of the discrimination topics listed from the last question. Members on Title 10 orders must contact the Air National Guard Readiness Center EO office at 1-800-371-0617. Um, however, in either case, it's important to remember that members have 60 days from the alleged discriminatory event or the affected date of the personnel action for which the complaint is based. So these matters are time sensitive. In either case, our office can help um, direct you to the right person to take the complaint. Oh, didn't know that about the 60 days. Um, question number five, uh, EEO complaints. Should an airman feel they're, they've been discriminated against, uh, what is their recourse? How can their concerns be heard? So Master Sergeant Green and I are located in Building 170, or Headquarters Building, uh, Room 203 on RSD Weekends. Our phone number is 508-968-4513. Members can stop in, call, or send us an email to meet at their convenience. I'm also available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. via email or phone if they have an immediate concern uh, that they would like to discuss. Great. Um, fantastic. That's five questions. Um, is there anything you'd like to add? Sure. If a member is on the fence on an issue um, that they have experienced, I would encourage them to talk to Master Sergeant Green or myself as we can be 
not only helpful um, with advice from the lens of a senior NCO and an officer perspective, but just as a third party perspective or a sounding board. We're always here for members of the 102nd. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming in and answering five questions. Thank you. Thanks. I'd like to welcome Senior Master Sergeant Victoria Kenny into the studio. Sergeant Kenny recently put the diamond back on her Chevron, uh, returning to the role of First Sergeant after a brief hiatus. You pre- previously served at the mission, as the Mission Support Group First Sergeant, and now you're back as the wing shirt. Welcome back. I am. Thank you. So one of the most anticipated events of 2021 occurred last week. Uh, no, we're not talking about uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday. We're talking about the Air Force released a number of changes to AFI 36-2903 dress and appearance. Um, there are a lot of minor but significant tweaks to the longstanding policies here. We've got a bit to unpack, but let's focus on the most notable ones. Hands and pockets, really? So now it's on, now Tim, it's a um, Department of the Air Force Instruction 36-2903, which was actually just certified on the 3rd of December. So I'll just go over um, just a few highlights of the summary of changes. Um, Sure. So the first one, yes, uh, that allows hands in pockets while standing or walking and beverage consumption, as indicated, while walking. So... Right, those two things. Um, those those are new. So I just in even though it says that you can, sometimes maybe you shouldn't, right? So right. we still have to use a military bearing. So common I, sense. A common sense. Right. And if you know if you're talking to someone of higher ranking, if you're commander or supervisor, um, you might want to rethink that. Um, but yes, your peers, uh, subordinates, um, that's fine. Hands in pockets, I'm sure, but. Um, the other ones are uh, authorized use of cell phone while walking. That was always a no-no, right? Right, right, right. And um, that's allowed now. How far we've come. Exactly. Things are accelerate, change, or lose, right? Right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one is, which kind of popped out at me, authorizes females optional wear of hosiery with dress uniform. So we as females in the, uh, in the Air Force have always had to wear you know, hosiery, pantyhose um, underneath our skirt um, while in dress uniform. So that gives you the option to not wear pantyhose. You just go bare leg. So yeah. that's different. Yep, yep. And that kind of, um, that's, uh, we, you know, just to touch on it, uh, there were some significant changes a while back. Was it about a year ago now? Yes. For the, for the, for, uh, right. Seven, that was hair. in Feb- February. And yeah. that was actually on my last deployment, which was pretty neat. I thought yeah. that we can wear our hair, um, you know, didn't have to um, uh, be up. It could pass sure. the collar, um, you know, with bulk. Um, and there's more changes there if you read in the summary of changes. But, you know, braids uh, specifically, it gave us a little uh, breathing room sure. as females and not have to have uh, it tight, tight tied back. So I definitely appreciated it when I was deployed. Um, another change, which, you know, I'm wearing right now is the PT uniform. I just took my PT test, authorizes physical training gear, wearing the short and long sleeve shirts, either to be worn tucked in or untucked. So, um, that was, that was pretty neat as well. Cause I know a lot of people, including myself, don't like to tuck in the shirt. I don't, right. I, mean, I don't have tucked comfort in the shirts. Wise, right, uh, comfort. You know, um, when you're doing fitness and strenuous mm-hmm. activity, it's usually best, I've always heard, the, to have loose-fitting clothing. Right, exactly. So, but just so even for comfort, just, right. you know, I don't wear 
um, my shirt tucked in in my civilian clothes. Right. I always have it untucked. So right, I think right. they're coming around. So oh, that's, that's great. pretty neat. So bottom line, there's a lot of changes, and that you, you touched on uh, four of them there. Um, but many, many of them conflict with the training that many of us um, have had drilled into us over decades since right. basic training. Uh, what advice do you have for airmen in the wing who might see something and assume it's being done incorrectly when it isn't? I would say definitely um, not check yourself before you wreck yourself, but check yourself before you embarrass yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, um, if something doesn't feel right, look right, uh, make sure you, you're pulling up uh, that 36-2903 and making sure that you um, know what you're talking about before you make the correction respectfully to the member. Um, and you can do that. Now we have um, apps on our phones. And when sure. I was deployed, I learned about a new app, which is very helpful to me. It's called AFI Explorer. Huh. So go ahead and, and download that uh, app. And it's very helpful. You can pull the, um, the AFIs up immediately on your phone. Um, if you're not comfortable making a correction to somebody, yep. then you know, find somebody who is. But a common misconception is that first sergeants are the uniform police. We are not the uniform police. Uh, every airman is responsible to adhere to dress and appearance and to make respectful corrections as needed. Well, that's great. That's great advice. Um, yeah, so uh, we'd invite everybody to go out and check out the new changes in uh, DAFI, DAFI. That sounds good. That's correct. Daffy uh, 36-2903, and see uh, if there are any of these changes apply to you. You should be familiar with them anyways, right? Yes. Fantastic. Thanks, well, thanks for coming in. Anything else you want to add in terms of uniforms or dress and appearance? No, we can go on and on with these summary of changes because there are sure. several of them, but I implore you to go in there and, and uh, read up on them and become familiar with them. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Thanks again for coming in. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Thanks for having me. Sure. Mr. Greg Nancaro, the Wing Budget Officer, retires early next year after a military and civilian career spanning four decades. With that amount of experience and wisdom about to depart the Wing, we thought it would be a good idea to interview Greg. To make the interview even more special, we invited Greg's son, 2nd Lieutenant Alan Nancaro, to serve in public affairs for the day and interview his dad. Hello everyone, my name is Lieutenant Alan Nancaro and I'm joined today by retired Master Sergeant Greg Nancaro. Um, Greg is retiring after 40 years of total service to the military, both as a civilian and on active duty. Greg is also my father. <laughs> Dad, you ready for some questions? I am. All right. I hope. <laughs> um, so first question, what inspired you to join the Air Force? Well, um, my father was in the military, or grandpa yep. to you, um, was in the Air Force um, and he was in for 21 years and retired uh, once um, I was in high school um, and in fact he was stationed over in Japan when I was born so uh, I was born overseas and you know I had experienced that but um, that's kind of what inspired me to uh, join the Air Force and I wanted to do something better with my life than washing dishes with a a job I had at the restaurant, so <laughs> I wanted to do something better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you do in the Air Force? Where were you stationed? And what's your Air Force story, the military side of it? All right. Well, um, 
I was an air, aircraft mechanic for uh, 17, 17 years. I worked as a crew chief, an expediter, a mock uh, senior controller, flight chief, production superintendent. Um, and my last uh, three and a half years was for uh, working as an RA and a budget analyst. <clears throat> I know we were stationed at, um, of course, Lackland Air Force Base in Shepard for tech school. Uh, Beale Air Force Base was my first assignment where I worked as an SR-71 crew chief, and I, I really loved that job. Um, Columbus Air Force Base, T-38, um, crew chief, expediter, Osan Air Base Korea as a um, uh, maintenance operations center senior controller. Uh, McDill Air Force Base as an F-16 crew chief, expediter, and flight chief. Um, and then at Luke Air Force Base, same thing. Uh, and our last assignment, our, our best of all, was Aviano Air Base, Italy, uh, where it was a pro super and then changed over to the RA and budget analyst positions. Yeah, Italy was a good assignment. I liked it there. Yes. <laughs> First four years of school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is one of your most persistent memories as a young airman? Something special, funny, serious, something that really sticks out to you? I think the, the most thing that kind of... Um, inspired me was I loved working on the SR-71 it was my first assignment working on a you know secret spy plane and everything else but it was you know it was uh, really exhilarating um, I kinda love the moment where we would get done with a couple days of operations and then um, a day or two you'd see something in the news and said oh, okay I was part of that and it and it kinda makes you you know, feel like you're more important, you know, part of a, a bigger picture and doing something for our country. And, you know, um, I, I really love that. And that kind of, I've always, you know, um, loved thinking about working on that plane. Mm -hmm. Easy to buy for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> uh, when did you decide to make the Air Force a career? What prompted that decision? Um, I was in for the first four years and then got out because I got a job with Lockheed um, to work on the SR-71. Um, in the maintenance side, side down in Palmdale, California. Um, worked there four days and got laid off. The uh, L-1011 contract had expired. They had no other further work, so they were laying off a lot of people at the Palmdale plant. I was one of, I think, 250 on the first day that got laid off. Um, so ended up, um, I had recently met my future wife, Mary Jane, um, and... Um, she lived back in uh, Northern California. She was stationed at Beale. That's where we met. So I ended up, um, after I lost my job at, at Palmdale, uh, moved up, and we kind of moved in together there. Um, she then, in turn, had to get an, um, got an assignment to um, Insulik, Turkey. Uh, once she um, had to go over there, we were going to wait the year. Um, took me two months before I decided, you know, I really love this woman, and I wanted I wanted to be with her. So, uh, went over to Turkey. We ended up getting married over there, um, and then once she had gotten out of the service, we moved back to Massachusetts. Uh, and while I was working there in construction, um, got laid off during the winter time because lack of outside jobs. Um, kind of freezing in our apartment. It's kind of cold. <laughs> so um, there were radio and television commercials on. Um, allowing people to come back in the service if you had a career field of crew chief, um, aircraft maintenance, and I think computer maintenance. Um, you can go back in the same rank you got at as. So 
you know, we uh, as a team, we decided to uh, have me join back in and um, make a career out of it rather than just, you know, another four years. So that was kind of like our kind of short little story on having to decide to go back in. So once you retired from active duty, that wasn't the end of your career. What came next? Um, after, you know, retired, moved here to Massachusetts to kind of uh, come back to help um, take care of, you know, grandma, mm -hmm. um, mom's dad, or mom's mom. And then um, saw a position out here at uh, Otis for a uh, budget analyst in the CE squadron, applied for that, uh, I think in June of um, 2001, ended up um, getting approved and hired two weeks after 9-11. So I worked in CE for... Um, seven years as a budget analyst, and then from there kind of moved up to finance um, and have been there ever since. I think that was uh, July of 2008 where I started in finance, and this September will be 20 years I'll be in for, you know, Title V. So, wow. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Uh, so reflecting on your career as military and then civilian, is there any enduring feeling about all those years of service? I mean, I just look back and, and think that it's basically been an honor and privilege to have served our country, you know, um, both in the military and as a Title V working for the Air National Guard um, here at Otis. And I appreciate all the opportunities that I've been given um, throughout my uh, both careers. And it's just, you know, all the support that I've had from all of the people I've worked for, worked with, and everything else that have um, made this an enjoyable uh, time in my life. Is there anything you left on the table? Anything you wish you had done that you didn't get a chance to do? Um, I, I really don't regret anything I've done. Um, I'm, I'm very, very proud of my accomplishments and, you know, I've been able to achieve those. Like I said, that, you know, based on all, all the people that I've worked for, worked with, um, that have given me the opportunities to to advance in certain uh, different types of jobs and everything else. So um, I, I, you know, it's hard to thank one single person, but I mean, just all the people that I've worked with have have just been, you know, wonderful and supporting me and giving me those opportunities, uh, including all the commanders, supervisors, and all my coworkers. So if you can impart just one bit of advice to an airman just starting out, what would it be? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, is to um, listen to your supervisors, um, learn from their experiences, and always ask questions to help yourself learn more about your job and the total Air Force experience. Um, so we've been very fortunate that you and I have been able to serve in the Air Force at the same time, you as a civilian and myself enlisted and now as an officer. Yep. Is there any memory or anything that we've shared that really rings true to you? Well, I mean, it's, um, you know, had great opportunities to, to, to see you as a, a young airman and now as a, a young officer um, to to um, watch and be so proud of your accomplishments that you've done. Um, it just makes both myself and, you know, your mom uh, proud of you. You know, it, it does. I mean, um, I think my biggest accomplishment here is, is in, my la in my life, meeting and marrying Mary Jane, 
um, and both of us together searching the world um, to, you know, find our son, you, uh, which we had adopted in uh, South Korea in March of 89 while we were stationed at Osan Air Base. Um, I mean, our, our hearts burst uh, with pride every time, you know, we see everything that you've accomplished in your career. Um, and we're so proud and honored to be, to give myself the opportunity to salute you as an officer with me being a prior enlisted guy. Um, and, we, you know, we just, we love you so much and we're, we're proud of you. Thanks, Dad. Love yeah. you too. So is there anything else you want to add? No, I, I, like I said before, I, I'm just so honored to, to have been able to give this opportunity to serve my country um, and feel like I've accomplished a lot of things in my career and in my life, um, especially, you know, uh, adopting you and, and seeing you grow up and, and being the great man that you are, and you know. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Dad. Yeah. And yeah. thank you. I appreciate your time. And yeah. con congratulations. Yeah. I'm kind of nervous about the retirement, so, but I mean, I, you know, after 42 years, I, I think it's time, and, and uh, Mom and I are looking forward to it, and, you know, um, do some snowbird stuff, and, <laughs> you know, uh, get out of here during the wintertime, so uh, we're looking forward to it. Very good. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Proud of you, bud. Thanks. Love you, Dad. Love you, too. Before we go, here's a bit of a preview of our other podcast, Chevron's. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and hurdles the enlisted force faces. Featured on this episode are Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Hurl, 102nd Command Chief, and Sergeant DeAndre Floyd, NCOIC of Stanaval from the 6th Space Warning Squadron. Yes, our first non-air guest. Sergeant Floyd is with us from the U.S. Space Force here at Cape Cod Space Force Station. These airmen and guardians shared their perspectives on why they continue to serve and what qualities and attributes they look for in their peers and leaders. You know, having the, the courage to, to let folks uh, take control and, and let them do what they have to do and, and help them. Uh, like, we're, we're a team. Yeah, this is not a one-man show. Um, so I am going to try my hardest to make sure those opportunities are available. So those eager airmen that come up and they want to uh, find, be more, more rewarded in their time here, um, have a chance to express themselves, have a chance to uh, make their ideas count. Cool, it's kind of neat. You all kind of said like different components of the same thing, but just a little, a little differently. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> We're all the same <laughs> Must be something to it then. Thanks for listening to The Seagull. We hope you have a great holiday and an even better new year. For more news from us at the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil slash links or search for 102iw on any major social media platform. <laughs>